Hi everyone. Um, before we start, I just want to give a quick little apology. Someone in my household was playing piano at the time, so at some parts of the audio, you'll probably hear some soft piano playing. Sorry about that. Also, my mic was kind of acting out throughout the whole thing, so if you can barely hear me, I'm also very sorry. I am going to try to invest in a better mic soon, so don't worry about that. Other than that, though, everything else should be fine. Enjoy this very long, extended episode. Hi, welcome back to Sapphic Racket. My name is B, of course. I'm 19, my pronouns are she, they, and I am not the only lesbian in the house tonight. Amazing. Who is joining us today? Don't be shy. <laughs> you need to say your height. Oh, my height is uh, five, 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 six on a good day. Right. Okay. And hi, Filipinality. Filipino um, oh. <laughs> My Filipinality is um, I'm half with a four eleven mother. <laughs> hi, my name is Marcella. I'm sixteen. My pronouns are she they. I'm bisexual. Um, my Filipinality is I'm full Filipino, and I am five three and a half. I am Key. I'm 20. I use she, her pronouns at the moment. Uh, I'm a lesbian. Let's go lesbians. Let's go. And (laughs) I'm less than half, but more than a quarter Filipino. It's kind of like all mixed in there. Like, you know, like multiracial mom. Come on, mixed race girl. I am five, seven and a half, but I like to say I'm five, eight. Okay, tight. Good. Damn. Okay. Hello. My name is Wednesday. I'm 22. Pronouns she, they, pansexual, 5'1, and I'm full Filipina. 5'1. <laughs> Shut. The Filipinality. Filipinality is low-key. so strong oh. in this one. Not the Filipinality. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Filipinality. Um, what's that? What's that Snapchat? You're. Your your shortness slash Filipinality. No, no it's, it's like it's like your Filipinality slash Filipinoness and your shortness makes you even cuter or something like it makes that. You even Hold on, cuter, I'm trying to find it or like low key. Yeah, I mean, in what world, like, inspired that man to say that? <laughs> I love to say that to my girlfriend. <laughs> Does he know he's a legend among all Filipinos? <laughs> Does he know every Filipino has seen that? Does he know the impact he's had on the community? <laughs> on the diaspora? <laughs> cultural reset. The cultural reset. I need y'all to meet my mom so bad. When I first met Becca's mom, <laughs> dude, she grabbed me by the arm and was like, look, we're twins <laughs> because we were oh. the same height. <laughs> Oh, that is so funny. Hey, twin. <laughs> she went baby mode. <laughs> Becca, you tweet too much. Where is it? Okay, I found it. Your Filipino-ness slash Filipiniality and shortness makes you more adorable. High key. High key. High key. High key. Gosh, this nail. You didn't send pics of your nails to the chat. Yeah, you need to do that. Oh, yeah, I do. Come on, Miss Wednesday. Don't be shy. Share with the class. Are they, what What prints are they? It's the, it's the same cow print one. I'm pretty <gasps> sure you've seen it. Wait, it's on no, my Twitter. I, I was about to ask, is it cow print? <laughs> yeah, it's a strawberry cow print one. Oh, my God. Those, those are, are cute. Cows. 
Oh my god, strawberry cow. I feel like <laughs> my strawberry cow pillow pet shipped today and I got the notification in the middle of a meeting and I just had to act like I was okay. <laughs> like nothing was happening. Key is literally like the complete embodiment of a strawberry cow. Oh my god. Like, no, like aura is my mom. I she I she was looking up what cottagecore was yesterday. Your mom I got hollered at because she was like you see what this is? This is oppressive to women. <laughs> and, I, and this is colonial. And I was like, you're not wrong. I mean, I just kind of be yearning. Like, don't we all want to decompose <laughs> in the cold, dark earth? Please. Like, not the hose you're out. Wrong. Um, so I don't mind letting the conversation just completely derail because that's what I just do on, on these episodes. And I think that's really fun and funky and fresh. But we might as well just like start with a grad, you know, like, a concept do you have a concept um I have a little bit of a concept so the first thing is um just like queerness in general in relation to being Filipino especially like within Filipino families mm-hmm. because that's a whole thing that we can touch on <laughs> um, I definitely do think <clears throat> what I've noticed is that like when it comes to cis men being gay in our culture it's like I just noticed that like it's comedic to them in some not all of them but like in some ways like there'd be like you know movies about it all of this stuff but then when it comes to queerness and relations of like girls women in general it's like kind of a taboo here and I wanted to touch on that a little bit oh yeah absolutely. because um, like did you guys grow up with like a community of Filipino people, by the way, just for some context? Yes. Yes. I have. Um, I barely kept in touch with my wife. Not really. Mine, well, like, I don't have a super, well, I guess that's not true. I have like a big family, but I'm, my dad's side of the family is like the bigger side, I guess, like the one where I have cousins and like aunts and stuff um Mm -hmm. but they're like third gen my dad's like third generation and my mom who is like either first or second she moved here when she was two so but Mm -hmm. I don't have any cousins on that side and all my cousins on my dad's side are mixed which doesn't Mm -hmm. take away from them being Filipino but they all live in different places Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. wasn't like it wasn't I, I guess I could consider it kind of different from growing up with parents who are first gen like parents and aunts and uncles who are first gen because like it wasn't like I was disconnected from being Filipino but it was less of like a connection with the country and like the culture because we were more like Americanized you know you know what I mean but we grew up with like I did grow up with like my mom's best friends my dad's best friends who are all Filipino and they had like this huge Filipino family so that was Mm -hmm. kind of like my introduction to like the big Filipino parties and the lechon and like all that kind of stuff. So for my personal experience, my mom is an immigrant, but my dad is, his family has been here. Um, my dad's side has moved um, the Philippines to here after World War II. Um, I think my great grandpa worked as like, he worked in the post office. I know that. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and we were a family in San Francisco and we've always been in the Bay Area. So we kind of like American culture is pretty much all I know. And mm-hmm. for my mom's side, like all of her siblings are scattered around 
the United States. Yeah, um, only until recently, like they moved really close to each other. When I was like from when I was born to, let's say third grade, I was around like a Filipino community outside of my family. Um, and then I moved and then that kind of experience, like I had a different experience cause it wasn't that anymore. And it was, it's just like, you know, you don't really think about not growing up with people from your own community, but then when you find people who are from your community later on, you realize like, how did you go on for this right. long without knowing like all of these people and just knowing the people who are, who have similar and shared experiences with you and stuff. I totally, like, I totally get that. I didn't have it like, I pretty much didn't have any Filipino friends until I'd say high school because like I went to this like really small elementary and middle school and it was really diverse but there I was the only Filipino person there for like years like we had one other Filipino person maybe but she left yeah like, that was the same for me like my high school I think we could count on one hand how many Filipino people were going there so that was like an interesting experience and it was weird because they still did tinickling dance <laughs> dances for the multicultural week but none of them were filipino i was like what's going on here <laughs> oh my god tinickling so fun though i was always afraid of getting my ankles just completely obliterated oh yeah <laughs> hurts so badly <laughs> honestly my high school experience was quite filipino we had a pretty big south asian student population but that was new for me because growing up i grew up in a pretty white area i was one of the only like asian pacific islander students at my elementary school and at my middle school and mm -hmm. so that's kind of a thing too right because my i think my mom is third or fourth generation um american so my great grandparents came here from the philippines to basically be plantation workers they came to hawaii and mm -hmm. that's like that was what they did and they unfortunately you know you're not supposed to speak your native tongue while you're at work yeah. they, they ended up cutting off their family in the philippines it was really this strong push to assimilate to american culture mm -hmm. and to to this deep shame, I think, of like a Filipino identity um, after entering the United States. My mom identifies more with her Hawaiian side of the family. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of how I felt too growing up um, until I met my partner and she immigrated here when she was nine years old from the Philippines. So that was kind of the first time. And it was really interesting too, because with her family, they are all very accepting. Uh, like everybody knows that we're a couple, like everybody in like the what, 200, 300 people that I'd see at these large taboos or family parties. And they're like, yeah, cool. What's up? Welcome to the family. And that was really surprising for me because on my mom's side, you know, it's not something I talk about with them. I just don't think they know mm -hmm. gay people. And then because of like, unfortunately, I think like religion and in its connection to homophobia, they, they haven't been exposed to like what it would mean to be accepting of a gay family member. Yeah, definitely Christianity and Catholicism and everything like heavily, heavily influences a lot of Filipinos. And yeah. especially since homophobia is like kind of like super tied into that, a lot yeah. of Filipinos do tend to be very conservative, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Because yeah. My Lola's a Trump supporter. 
and I don't even I don't even I can't even like comprehend how like from his background that would even make sense into like his mind processing Donald mm-hmm. Trump I just don't know how he could support I I guess it's maybe because like I don't know I read this thing online that really resonated with with me it's like um a lot of Filipinos do tend to take the side of the west like the oppressor because that's what we've kind of been ingrained to do to like glorify western ideals and glorify the oppressor essentially like especially with um like U.S. occupation in the Philippines that's something that we've kind of like that a lot of Filipinos in the Philippines have been kind of forced to deal with. And I guess it's with, just like you know, yeah, hundreds of years of just like assimilation and the cleanse of our like own ways and like with so much influence, just like there's even Spanish sprinkled around in Tagalog mm-hmm. and it's just our last names. Our last name. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you see all of this and it, it's just it's just a like these things are deeply ingrained in our lines and it's kind of it, it like it's even like seen today with our like it it stays with our last names and like just what we talked about I don't know it, it's a concept that like when I think about it in depth it's hard to process I agree and yeah it's a very like draining experience us having so much taken away from us and even in like my Asian American history course that I took last semester like they were talking about how um, even when we had our own independence on that day it was taken away from us Mm -hmm. by the United States Mm -hmm. um, took all the glory of what happened with Spanish influence and stuff, it was just so like we could have nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Also learning, like I didn't even learn that the Philippines had like their own like mythology and like of course like I knew they had languages before the Spanish came and colonized everything, but like the alphabet and stuff, that like the script. I just yeah. like I didn't even know that stuff existed because like when they teach you about the Philippines, they never teach you about anything besides the, like, the part where we got colonized and the part where, like, America and Japan and Spain and all of that stuff, and it's just so sad, like, Mm -hmm. even now, we're still not, a lot of, like, the education system is still not working to recover everything that we lost. I didn't even know any of that stuff existed until I saw it, like, on Twitter, like, V posted something, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, it's just like, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think that also connects to kind of like the whole thing with like queerness and identity, right? Like, I feel like Western imperialism was definitely a force in imposing like uh, certain gender roles and things about gender identity, ideas about sexuality that Mm -hmm. kind of like, Mm -hmm. at least in like my experience with like Hawaii and local culture, like a lot of that is based in like missionaries who are being like yeah no 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 more gender fluidity y'all um no more gay people we're ingraining this now fuck the missionaries all my homies hate the missionaries missionaries. (laughs) honestly like it uh so like i was looking at my sister's curriculum last year because she was in fifth grade now and that's the time where you learn about like 
missionaries and they were just describing them that like they were like you know your everyday like oh they came to America and they just like you know helped these people become like it, it was just so from the western perspective of like and it's just so dangerous to be teaching kids like to just wash it down to something that was like some type of friendship when it wasn't that at all in the first place the right. other, did you guys do the mission project yeah yes no, no i mean we had we were assigned but i didn't do it amazing did you have i don't even remember i did not <laughs> i didn't i didn't, didn't do, do anything in that my teacher was so upset with me, but like, here I am, I passed fifth grade. <laughs> Who even cares about them? <laughs> also, it's so, I was in, like, I was on a drive with my parents and my brother up um, above, like, know, like in Mill Valley, which is above San Francisco, right? And um, we, my mom was like reading this thing online about the land, online about the land and like, who was there before like, you know, all the white people and the neighborhoods and the suburbs and stuff. And it was all like, oh, yeah, so the native people were here. And then the, like, colonizers came and they asked them very politely to leave. And then the native people were like, okay, yeah, I'll leave. And then they politely left. Like, no, that's not what happened at all. And it's so, like, fucked up how everyone, or not everyone, like, every single book and, like, every Western, er everything written by western society it's just like yeah so the natives just um like agreed to leave like that's not how it happened at yeah. all and they know that it's just really annoying how yeah. it's yeah. like i don't know who sent it to me but it was either wednesday or my other friend um but they sent me like an excerpt of a history book from the philippines not from america um a textbook from the philippines talking about america and it was like vastly different from what we're taught here it mm -hmm. like it definitely shown actual light on like the horrors that the U.S. has imposed on the Philippines and like even the surrounding area the whole world really like and it's fucking insane how the U.S. like always paints itself to be like the savior of so many countries where it's like you didn't save shit you went there and you like destroyed the land you colonized the culture you killed the people it's like we're not taught that in school and i think that's yeah not okay right right the u.s just has this this savior complex and i hate it so much i just i also think it also like when they're altering these stories of how you know the colonizers came and treated indigenous peoples in the u.s it like takes away like their agency and like the fact that these people were resisting and like rebelling against this the entire mm -hmm. time there's a book i'm gonna have to go and find it because it's specifically about hawaii and like looking at hawaii studies you know when you you don't have to know hawaiian to get a degree in hawaiian studies Mm -hmm. So you can just base your entire, like, knowledge on Hawaii based on, like, English translations of Hawaiian texts. And so, like, the whole thing is that because of that, there's been, like, a long period of time where people were just, like, academics, like, white academics were trying to eschew the idea that the Hawaiians weren't resisting and that, like, they, you know, they allowed themselves 
to be colonized and to, you know, have their culture wiped out. And the, the reality is that that's not true. And there's a lot of like documented information on that. But what we're taught and what's contained in these textbooks and in, you know, the minds of white academics who can like get their degree in these studies without actually like getting involved and getting involved in the community. It like totally creates this, this, these falsities. No, it's, it's totally true how like a lot of um white scholars, white academics will modern day colonize their texts and try to tell the stories of, of indigenous people, of people of color, of Filipinos um, is what we're talking about specifically. Um, mm-hmm. but really every other ethnic group ever, um, they will take their history and try to make it palatable for like white audiences, mm-hmm. which is like, what? So you're just going to like turn away from your crimes? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, like they should start implementing ethnic studies into public schools too. It's, it's actually, it's, it sucks that we have to learn this stuff through college and through later in our lives when it should just be common knowledge. It shouldn't just be history mm-hmm. about the West. Exactly. I definitely agree with that. And I was talking kind of about that with one of my professors. Um, mm-hmm. I'm studying sociology. So we're talking about like education and how our education systems are set up to like perpetuate these ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And something that she brought up that I thought was so wise because we were asking the question, right, like, would people go into studies like sociology and ethnic studies or whatever if you, like, knew this stuff already to begin with? Because she was like, honestly, you shouldn't have to pay this much money to, like, yeah. learn the truth about things. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be taught the truth from the get-go. You shouldn't have to be paying thousands of dollars just to get, like, this kind of information. And that really, it's on my mind a lot. Yeah. No, I agree. And it makes sense. Yeah, not the way like world history classes are literally just like colonizer 101 classes. Okay. They really had us. I, I saw this tweet the other day that was like world history classes be like, we literally had to answer a question sophomore year in my world history class that was like, was the US justified in like bombing Japan? Oh, like, okay. I that's awful. But here's the thing that's not just high school too because my friend's studying international studies and she had a question she had to write an essay being like is the united states footprint on the world too small or too big but the thing was it was way easier to answer the question if you said it was too small and that the u.s should like continue its imperialism than if you said like their footprint was too big because of like the way the professor wrote it so she like twisted you into like supporting u.s imperialism if you you know wanted to manage the essay basically or get a good grade i just don't understand why questions like that even like come to light like it doesn't bring any critical thinking practice whatsoever asking questions like that and i feel like it's just so insensitive what what (laughs) Like, I'm like like what <laughs> the question is literally like oh was was this genocide this literal genocide okay oh and it's like why the fuck is that a question exactly 
You literally should have just gone to your professor and been like, actually, personally, I think the U.S. needs to just sit the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why I left that major, because it was so weird to be... Have y'all seen that tweet that was like, what is it? Like, white people go on missionary trips, Mm -hmm. but, like, you guys have, like, an opioid epidemic at home and people are hungry. Oh, yeah. Focus on your community first. I think Yes. That was so real for me, because I realized in the classes on international studies, they were basically saying like, we are teaching you the US perspective, which is the correct perspective to take when you're dealing with other countries. And then I was like, also taking this class where we're working with the community and the city that I go to university in. And I was like, wait a minute, like one in four kids are hungry. You know, we've got really high gentrification rates. So our houseless population is increasing. And there's like a seven year waiting list to get emergency shelter, like all of these things. And yet, like you're telling me that we have the right answers to these kinds of issues. Yeah. You're telling me that like it's an okay idea to like sanction people. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so I exactly. left. I went to sociology because I was like, you y'all no, please sit down. She did what she had to do. Like it's gonna- also so weird because I go to a Catholic like majority white high school and. Oh yeah, yeah, all of you guys been Don't to yourself. like some sort of <laughs> private school, right? Yeah. So yeah, I was a freshman when Becca was a senior and I we I did not talk to her at all. <laughs> you were kind of like the cool like senior who had like the good eyeliner. They were in theater. I was like, Oh my god, they're the so, one who got banned. so intimidating. I'm never gonna talk to them. And here we are. I'm on their podcast. But um yeah, so our school is majority white very catholic we we take like religion classes and stuff right and it's so weird seeing how many of like basically just the white kids having this like complex where they're like oh my gosh i want to go on a mission trip so bad but then like kids who live on the peninsula you know what the peninsula is like right like they have such an obsession with like mission trips and like being a missionary and stuff like that going to help people but still look down on people who like live in like East side San Jose. Like, it's so weird. Cause it's like, I want to, they, they're always like, Oh my God, I want to help so bad. And then their classism jumps out as soon as they see someone in their own community who doesn't live in as nice as a neighborhood as they do. Like, it's so, it's so obvious how hypocritical. Yeah. It's, it's hypocritical. And also it's just obvious that they're looking for someone to save probably someone from like a developing country liberal liberally using quotes um (laughs) like it's really just ridiculous and i am very very tired of it oh yeah it's that white savior complex that comes with so many private catholic schools that have a predominantly white population yeah like one of my uh teachers um she one she's white and like one of the fun facts about herself that she was saying as she was like introducing herself to us was that she had been to like over 50 countries right like she loved to travel and it's like yeah that's cool but then she brought out this like buddha statue and she's like oh my god guys like look at this cute buddha statue that i got in cambodia like isn't it so cute it's so peaceful and calming it's like okay but you do realize like you do realize that it's not just a decoration like that Mm. statue has some sort of religious 
meaning, like an, an interpretation that's deeper than it just being something calming that you can put on your windowsill. Like, yeah. it's just a lot of, obviously, not not intended malice, but just a lot of people refusing to put in the work to understand the places that they're going to. It's very, yeah, it's very savior complexy. It's weird. It's exactly. a weird exactly. environment. It's so uncomfortable too. Like it's, oh God, I can't even tell you how many times um, when I went to that predominantly white high school, um, I would be scroll like scrolling through Instagram and I saw people like off in like African countries and taking pictures with kids there and it's like wh- why do you feel the need first of all to go there second of all to take pictures like you are you're doing this for white gratification like there's really even if you don't admit it even if you don't realize it this subconscious white savior complex on missionary trips is very there with like you guys going to catholic high schools what was it like having the LGBT experience there? Like, from perspective of something that's from, that's a religion, you're around religion all the time in high school. Like, also, yeah, I wanted to ask, like, how was it like always having to have religion by your side growing up in such a, you're in your most formative years, too? All right, Key, did you also go to a Catholic high school? I did. Yeah, I went to a Catholic, quote unquote, all girls school for high school. Oh, I didn't grow up in Catholic school. And I also my family, my immediate family is not Catholic. The rest of my family is. Yeah, so I I did go to a Catholic school for high school. And it was really interesting because we had a, a GSA, but it was called Alliance, just like Alliance period. And I'm pretty sure that was because they didn't want the parents to look at the list of clubs that they had and see like, oh, there's something for gay people. Mm-hmm. Um, Our school did something similar to that. What did they call it? I mean, it's called Safe Spaces, which is like less low-key than Alliance, but it's they got in trouble for using the word gay in an email the other week or like the other month. So that tells you everything you need to know about yeah. our administration. Yeah. We definitely had censorship with some of the things that could and couldn't be published in our school uh, newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because there's like this paradox, right? Like on the one hand, we had a lot of teachers who would ask us to introduce ourselves with our pronouns. Mm-hmm. And like, if you had a name that was different from the name on your roster, then you could like say that. And they would, I would say a lot of teachers respected that and respected your pronouns. I had a teacher ask me like, oh, if you are using, like, they, them pronouns, is it okay if you, if I use them in front of your parents, like, what settings is this okay in? So on that hand, it was really good, but at the same time, I was volunteering at a LGBTQ organization, right, like, a couple blocks away, and one of the volunteer coordinator is trans, and he'd gone to that school, and during his time there, he had seen a professor who was or like not a professor, a teacher who was basically stealth. And then he ended up getting outed and the school just asked him to leave, you know? So like, while they're like, oh, well like ask your pronouns and like be affirming in that way. Like we don't want to have a trans teacher or one of my other teachers was um, bisexual. And like, we knew that, but like you couldn't, like none of the administration could know because 
that would not be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time, too, like, they, there were a lot of students there who did not identify as women. And so kind of halfway or, like, maybe when I was a senior, they changed the student handbook to add this policy, basically being like, if you are trans, you need to have a conversation with your counselor and your parents. And like, we'll decide, like, we'll figure out like what to do with you. Like someone who I knew basically was asked to leave because, but it's like these, these kids don't choose. I mean, some people choose to go to school, but sometimes you're an eighth grader and your parents say you're going to Catholic school for high school and you don't really have a say. And you might be like 13 and you don't know your gender identity at that time. Like, that's not your fault, and you shouldn't have to be outed to your parents because of that. Actually, just recently, the other weekend, I was flipping through the yearbook of the 2020 school year yearbook of uh, your your high school, and they actually have two trans boys um, in, in the yearbook. I'm, gl- I'm glad they let them stay, but they also used their dead names, I think, in the that yearbook. Adds up. I was asking like my friend I was like or did they did they, did they ask these boys if they wanted their government names in here and she was like I don't think so it's like oh god that's really bad and yeah like, I've had really? friends who basically felt pressured to go back in the closet because they were worried yeah about like what the school would do yeah it's, it's really really not good do you have anything about high school oh my god high school when did I come out? I just remember, oh my god, I remember. Um, December of 2015, I was Snapchatting one of my best friends, and I was like, hey, I think I'm bi. And she replies, oh my god, no way, me too. <laughs> what did you date after? No. <laughs> so already, off to a pretty good start. Um, <laughs> I was lucky enough to have a really big circle of queer friends. Like, I, yeah. I really didn't have many straight friends, but I remember for the thing of sneezes for the spring musical, um, I was like recently out. I think this is 2016. We were doing Fiddler on the Roof, and I told one of the openly gay cast members, um, he was a gay white man, and I told mm-hmm. him, Hey, I am at the time, I'm bi, and he was like, sick and I thought you know like oh I can trust this kid because he's also gay not even an hour later what this one of my friends comes up to me and he's like yo you're gay and I was like I'm sorry like how do you know that and he was like oh blah 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 blah," told me and I was like oh so then I had like multiple people coming up to me coming up to me and they were like are you gay and I was like maybe <laughs> so and then I went home and I cried but it was okay um so <laughs> like every so by I'm so sorry yeah <laughs> that was that experience you know for you to go on your own terms and say it yourself is kind of like yeah like in a way yeah to be t- to have that offer like I'm very open now like I don't care who knows but at the time it's like I was not ready for everyone to know that, but yeah. alas. <laughs> um, 
you know, shit happens and it wasn't okay. And like to have the opportunity to come out on your own terms taken away from you is just like not good. As for the Safe Spaces Club, it was an experience because um, I don't know if they still do this, but we had this one day, I think it was called the Day of Silence, where we all wore, yeah, yeah we all wore like a purple wristband in honor of like LGBT people who had, you know, lost their lives or like been silenced in any way. And mm-hmm. me and all of my friends participated because we're all queer. Um, and during that day the amount of shit that I got and the amount of shit that my friends got was just like it was just a lot because (laughs) it was a day where you wear this wristband and you don't speak at all and it's like in memoriam of you know queer people who have been silenced or lost their lives and people thought that like we were doing this as an excuse to not speak in class as an excuse not to speak to our teachers, as an excuse to, like, not speak to other people, essentially. And it's, like, what, like, how, why do you think, (laughs) why do you think I'm doing this? Like, why do you think this is even important to me? I remember a teacher was, like, oh, just because you're in that little club doesn't mean that you get to, like, not answer this question. And I was, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, (laughs) is that important? Like, is was their question even like impactful in any way like why yeah, not exactly. they hardly are it's like, like why would you I it's just a that was just straight up like a power move at that point right just to be condescending yeah um I was in this religion class and we, <laughs> we had a project at the end of the year that was basically just like a very long in detail presentation on a quote quote controversial ugh, controversial subject and it was I also had this project change well that's good because one of the subjects was gay marriage um and it was like should it or should it not be legal <laughs> like so, what yeah. I think also one of the most alienating things for me was okay so I'm in band so I'm generally around <laughs> a lot of <laughs> queer people just <laughs> just to throw that out there um but like my first friends going into um going into school when I met them at band camp were straight um still are (laughs) and like I think just going in it's like you don't know who's queer and who's not obviously because a bunch of people are still in the closet like you're in a new setting so it's not like you're just gonna jump out and be like hey I'm gay and I'm here um so like oh that's me though (laughs) same but like it's it's like you form like your close friends but then like years later once you have all your close friends like obviously Becca had a group of close friends who were mostly clear queer hello queer (laughs) but um my friend group is like mostly straight and so like four years later realizing that there are like so many queer people around me like cool queer queer people around me that I just kind of relate to more not that like I think of them as like better than my straight friends because they're queer but like just because we have more experiences that we can share that like we both understand you know like 
to a certain point, if I like talk to my straight friends about like queer culture, they're they're not going to understand like what I'm talking about. But if I like go to my queer friends and like, they'll like immediately know what I'm talking about. You know, it's just that kind of like code, I guess. Yeah. No, I And just finding people within your community. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up suppressing so much of myself and like just now after high school just being able to have so many people I know who are like of different backgrounds different places but we can all still have shared experiences like it's it's nice to finally like be myself and not have to suppress so much and not have to act a certain way anymore Mm -hmm. so I completely understand where you're coming from because it's just such a it's such a freeing experience like even in this space right now like all of us we all have things in common and that's why we're all here talking about it (laughs) because it's just like we all know what we're what like we're trying to say every everyone knows like everyone's on the same page and I think that's like the most like validating thing for me is to be able to just openly speak about my own experiences and have people validate or like resonate with it you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's like kind of the most incredible unifying part of like being in the LGBT community is like being able to find another person in the mm-hmm. LGBT community and being like, oh my God, we're like kind of the same. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> hey, that was my experience with William. I have to tell you guys how I met William. Oh, shout out to William if so, you're listening. <laughs> but basically, how I met, like, we were just because I thought I met him at an art show last year um because we clicked we were just like so tight and this was before wanted over was problematic and stuff so like <laughs> we were just like going off about like oh my gosh I love your music I love your style it was so much fun um but then we realized like like a couple months back William was like wait were you the girl that worked at that one coffee place um blah, blah, blah. I was like yes he was like wait don't you remember me I was the one wearing the um the Lana Del Rey shirt (laughs) I was like wait Lana Del Rey shirt I was like oh my goodness (laughs) and we both knew from there like like he told me he was like I didn't even have to ask like I already knew you part of it blah 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 and I was like yeah It, it was so it was just the most it's funny because like we were able to connect on that day Mm -hmm. and then we were able to connect when we reconnected at the art show and then now here we are just like just you know always checking in on each other and I seriously have such a soft spot for William for Becca Mm -hmm. for all my like LGBT friends because it's just like I don't know there's just something so special about each of them and it's just so like everyone every one of them that I met we connected like that Mm -hmm. like and when it came to Key 
it came to like, you know, this our same similar interests. Like we both love Sanrio. We both love Pride and Prejudice Aww. and like all of that good stuff. So yeah. Pride and Prejudice was- is gay culture. <laughs> yes. It's my comfort movie. It's the yearning. Please. <laughs> It's so fulfilling to just have, like, a conversation with a new person and then they just, like, instantaneously, like, understand, you know, like, you have so much shared culture, I guess, that it's just, like, you click instantly and then everyone, you just get it, you know? Mm-hmm. That was, like, um, I had my first Zoom class for one of my classes and one of, <laughs> one of the girls was, like, oh, my name is blah, 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 uh, I'm Filipino, blah, blah, and I was, like, oh my god no way me too so, so then when it, came to, when it was time for me to introduce myself I was like hey I'm Becca my I'm also half Filipino and then she private messaged me and now we're friends <laughs> except I was really I was really stupid and I didn't realize that when you click leave on zoom it also kicks you from the chat so I just literally just left in the middle of our conversation <laughs> oh my god um but yeah something else I wanted to touch on with you guys because I feel like you would have input and things to say is um the gender binary is and (laughs) because the gender binary was literally um like a product of colonization and Christianity so like that literally just fucked us up from the start (laughs) pretty much yeah which is like Mm -hmm. so fucked like not to be not to be over dramatic but like as a non-binary lesbian half my problems would not fucking exist if, if the colonizers if colonizers minded their fucking business i know <laughs> i was like telling one of my friends the other day that like pretty much you can trace almost every problem that the lgbtq community has back to colonization yep you can trace it back to colonization and or Christianity yep. and or Catholicism. Like, it's really just, it's that simple it's and so that sick. complicated at the same time. And also, like, a lot of the a lot of the problems within the Philippines can also be just traced back to the U.S. and U.S. imperialism, yep. which is, like, like, we're getting fucked from both ends. Like, we can't win. Yeah, um, yeah I feel like, honestly, gender... You know, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I feel like yeah. part of like being a lesbian that has been really freeing is that like I feel like there's a very unique relationship with gender that a lot of lesbians have. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like inherently dis, you know, like separate from like heterosexuality heteronormativity and like what those gender roles look like honestly I'm just like don't refer to me at all (laughs) but yes like please just leave me it's it's so do not refer to me do not refer to me I'm not even here what are you talking about I don't have pronouns do not refer to me (laughs) I also feel like just like having the ability to like something that I think we need more of is like uh removed social stigma of like being able to explore your gender identity mm-hmm. and like explore what your gender means to you because like mm-hmm. that was something that I was able to do um when I was in high school and like I've met like minimal pushback like there's a bit of pushback but 
I feel like from my family, like my parents started to like kind of understand it more through seeing media and like meeting more people in the LGBTQ community where like they supported me being like, what does it mean to like present my gender in certain ways and like play with these traditional gender roles. And because of that, I feel more affirmed in my body and in my identity as a person, as a lesbian, as like a person. I said that already, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like we need more of that because pronouns are fake, like words are fake, it's true. gender is it's so fake, gender English is fake. Sex is like not real either. That's all objective or subjective. So like also, we we need to be able to like also just like connect with like it was not uncommon for there to be like LGBT like indigenous people. Like I mean, I don't know if they called them that. I mean, they definitely <laughs> didn't cuz it was a different language or like even conceptualize it as like in the way that we do in like western society but like it's not all that crazy in hawaii like pre-colonization there were people who were like i mean western scholars call it like a third gender but it's <laughs> like a not a non-binary identity and they were often highly respected, spiritual. I can like hear myself echoing. That's so weird. <laughs> but they were highly respected spiritual leaders, community mm-hmm. leaders. Yeah, so People paid them, like, you know, they were like revered in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really. I mean, honestly, I get frustrated sometimes because, like, when I do go to Hawaii and like people are like, "Haha," you know, say it's a slur. Um, like it's just like a stark reminder of like how far we are from what our ancestors used to be like because I used to worry like what is my family going to think about me being gay or like you know having a complicated relationship with my gender but like if I really think about like my ancestors and what they believed in and what they're welcoming towards like it's not that far off it really isn't yeah it's still ingrained in us you know like hold on let me reword that um like despite how much we as people have been through in relation to like colonization christianity imperialism that relationship that non-western relationship with gender is still in our blood and i think that's kind of amazing yeah and it's like if we like if we had told like our ancestors like way way back about like our relationship with gender and or our sexuality like they wouldn't have just like accepted it they would have like celebrated it and mm-hmm. I think that's the greatest and also like the saddest thing is like we, we are so distanced from that from just like years and like hundreds and hundreds of years of like having our culture ripped away pretty much devastating mm-hmm. like it's really just it's really just the western world that fucked everything up yeah it's also so frustrating when people are like what is this new like gender fluid like what is this new stuff where people are like yeah it's been here you just are so wrapped up in your like western way of thinking that you didn't even think to look at anything besides like the culture that you forced onto everyone else like you know it's also draining when like cis cisgendered heterosexual people have like questions about you know like how gender works how sexuality works and they're like can can you explain it to me and it's like um I mean I I can I don't really 
want to like just look it up it's not super hard or anything yeah it's also like people get paid to do that yeah like I've gotten paid to do that and I'll do it because I'm getting paid you know yeah like here's my Venmo uh come talk it's emotionally draining payment like expecting emotional labor like that from a queer person of color especially Venmo them you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the very least pay them for their time yeah because yeah, it's draining it's it's work like it is work it's labor y'all which also reminds me of you know how there are spaces like ours you know and like mm-hmm. it's you know the reason why we all come together and celebrate this stuff is because it's been fought for us it's been it's it's taken us so long to get to this point where we're able to even have like openly have like sapphic racket happen (laughs) openly have discussions like this and it just brings me back to like you know spaces being taken up by people who aren't of that of like and just like coded in like oh well, I'm an ally, so I can be here. And it just reminds me of like all of the times where there were things that were supposed to be for us, but then it was overtaken by people outside of that who want to celebrate whatever they want to celebrate, but at the same time, like it wasn't for them to even dive into in the first place. Exactly. And that just like reminds me a lot about those experiences like it's evident in like you know pride was a riot and like and then somehow it turned into like people just going like wearing sparkles on the and you know it's it's a fun place but at the same time like also there's a time and place and you know if there this which is why I'm glad we have sapphic racket and stuff like this because we're able to like vocalize these things but I don't know when any other event like I just feel like sometimes I don't want to you know have a conversation like that and have those like people coming to me and asking me all of those questions and being very invasive and you know, bringing me to parties and saying like, oh yeah, this is the, this is the gay girl. This is the blah, 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 because all of their friends want to like, you know, explore whatever. And it's so weird. And like, so sometimes it's just draining to like have those experiences where people ask you so much out of you just for being, having a specific identity and like just being able to vocalize that and just talk about it here that's uh, a lot off my shoulder because <laughs> I oh, feel like so I cool. haven't been able to talk about those types of things in a while no but you're right though it's really frustrating and very emotionally draining whether it's explaining your queer identity explaining your gender explaining your whole race or identity but yeah it's just very yeah it's just emotionally draining to have to describe all that to people just so that they can you know get a little morsel of information I am half white and I completely completely acknowledge that 
I'm not gonna get into the whole mixed identity right now because that's a whole other bucket that Key and I have talked about a lot. Yeah, invite <laughs> me to that episode. I will show it. <laughs> One day it's just gonna be you and me. Um, and then just we'll hashing have- it out. <laughs> And then one day we'll just have Marcella and Mel, and I'll just leave. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, um, right. I think as a mixed person, it's very important to recognize white privilege that we benefit from colorism, that we mm-hmm. do um, benefit from a lot of Eurocentric beauty standards, and essentially what a lot of the West stands for. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that we do carry intergenerational trauma. And I am so very passionate about my Philippine heritage. I know that Ki is also passionate about her Philippine heritage and her Hawaii heritage. You know, it's important for us to recognize and acknowledge that, yes, we do benefit from these things. But we are also allowed to be proud of our culture. But also, let's not overstep our boundaries, you know? Mm-hmm. that's all yeah. for mixed people hello editing b here i just wanted to add any quick point here that i didn't get to get in um i can only speak specifically about being filipino and white because that is what i am but i'd like to say that within the filipino community while we can and should still be proud of our heritage um we as half white people should know and understand that we should never be the face of the community or purposefully make ourselves the center of attention when it comes to discussing Filipino specific issues. I am always happy to talk about my Filipino heritage because growing up I was taught to very much love my culture and understand intergenerational pain and what we've been through and it is a huge part of who I am. As someone who's very proud to be Filipino, I do believe that even those that are half or, you know, even a quarter should still be speaking up about issues going on in the Philippines. We should be vocal about Philippine-specific issues, and of course, we should be spreading awareness of things such as the anti-terror law, such as the VFA, such as the effects of imperialism and the lasting effects of colonialism on not just our country, but how it has been passed down to us. But we should not be making ourselves the face of activism or the face of the culture. I believe that we should fight with our people and contribute to discussions when appropriate, but if we are half-white especially, we shouldn't actively try to be in the center or limelight of it all and should ultimately listen intently to other Filipino people's experiences and follow in their lead. Um, I think it's important for us to educate ourselves and do our own research on Filipino identity, and we ourselves also need to dissect our own relationship to whiteness and understand that it is not okay for us to speak over other Filipinos and not try to relate to their experiences in a way that we clearly wouldn't be able to relate to, such as colorism, for example. If our culture is something that is important to us, for example, that's how I feel, um, it is up to us to do the work to accurately represent it while not overstepping our boundaries within Filipino experiences and within the Filipino community. It's important for us to educate ourselves and do our own research on Filipino identity and dissect our own relationship to whiteness 
and understand that it is never okay for us to speak over other Filipinos. Key and I could make a whole other episode on mixed identity. However, right now is not that time, but I just wanted to add in that little quick footnote. Okay, back to the podcast. I was just going to say not to get too sociological, but it's totally like a dialectical type of thing where it's like you've got like the two things and they are like both true and they there's like a synthesis where like on the one hand like yes we benefit from like you know white privilege white passing privilege from you know generational wealth from generational like knowledge being passed down like that kind of stuff like on institutional navigation all of that and it's like we also like are facing like generational trauma and like the effects of colonization and like they they are both true they are both true like that's the thing that like (laughs) I think is so challenging like even for me to understand from the so speaking about colorism and all of that stuff I don't know if I told you this before Becca about like how that's kind of affected me growing up yeah um because it was a big topic of discussion. Um, because, you know, I'm not even that dark right now, but I am the darkest out of all my sisters mm-hmm. and probably in my family. So it was an easy target for like people to like have those comments like, oh, like like you'd hear relatives be like, you're getting darker, like like it, it like insinuating like that it was ugly for me to be darker and like you know it was really an uncomfortable time for me growing up when it came to skin color and when it came to colorism because like I just remember just like people would have like the weirdest comments about it like some people would be like, oh, you got lighter. That's good. Good for you. Blah, 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 blah. And it was so weird seeing how different I was treated from my sisters um, based solely based on that and solely based on like, which also brings me back to like, why was it so important to look, you know, as white yeah. as you could, you know, and like, I'm not, I'm not that at all. Like I'm tan. I have like my my big my my nose and all of that stuff. Like there's no denying in the fact that like I don't look white at all. Mm-hmm. But I do remember it was just like a big identity crisis for me growing up. Just wondering like why wasn't I born with lighter skin or why wasn't I? But it really like after meeting so many Filipino people um and just so proud of what they look like their skin color all of that stuff um and even oh let's talk about this too because this one was a very (laughs) pinnacle album for me was Ruby Ibarra's album oh my god I totally wanted to talk about that today (laughs) I totally forgot. Thank you for bringing it up. It's my favorite album because when I first heard Us, I was like crying. Like I didn't realize how much colorism and like the comments on my skin and just being like looking like what I am 
like I didn't realize how much it bothered me over time until that album and it was such an interesting time for me to like just really hash out like this happened to me but it was just it was so normal for me that it didn't even it flew over my head so like just experiencing that album kind of changed a lot for me and changed the trajectory of how I felt about myself and how a lot of my standard of beauty for myself was very western and very like like features that weren't mine at all and I don't know I just yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> that was just like my experience and how that kind of was a, a different, it, how I was on the other side of things mm-hmm. um, in terms of in quote unquote, the ugly sister, which obviously isn't true. I know that now, but like for a long time, I internalized that because it was just like when someone was angry at me that was like the first thing they would talk about like you're just such a such a dark skin blah 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 blah. they would say stuff like that so like having that experience and then having the experiences of just like meeting people who had those experiences and just realizing what was ingrained in me was like pretty eye-opening mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry I went on a tangent no, thank you for sharing yeah it was just... I like totally understand that like my Lola as well like when I was little she'd be like oh you're getting so dark you're getting so tan like in the summer when I would go outside a lot to play and then like in first grade like this is I was not a sentient child when I was like <laughs> like seven I don't remember anything from when that from like that time period but I remember one time she was like looking at me and I was like what like why why are you looking at me and she was like you should get surgery on your nose (gasps) to make it to make your nose bridge higher and I was like what like like that (laughs) like I have met so many people whose like relatives have made comments about their noses and she was like yeah you should like you should fix your nose when you get older and your and your mom will let you and I was like why (laughs) um and she was like your your nose is so flat like you know just get just get the bridge fixed so like I like internalized that for a lot of like my childhood when I was younger and then in middle school I remember just being like you know what this is so stupid (laughs) and then I just decided to like my nose good um (laughs) I was like this is so stupid screw that and I was just like you know what my nose is really cute so like from then on like I just kind of did it out of spite I guess to be like you know what actually I like myself yeah um that's good but yeah like and also the thing about Ruby Ibarra like okay I remember seeing like a video of uh, like the music video of us like a couple years ago but I didn't really get too into it and then last week or something Melissa posted Melissa you posted a like a screenshot of you listening to Brownout um on Spotify or something like that mm-hmm. and so I was like wait this is like that sounds cool so I went to listen to Ruby Ibarra and I listened to us and then I listened to us for the rest of the day I was like <laughs> 
staring at the lyrics on my laptop for like the entire day it's such a good album and it's I just it's and it's also really nice to have Ruby so close to us too because she's also a Bay Area um you know artist Mm -hmm. and like you know (laughs) I my ex is like that's his god sister is what he told me that's crazy and i was like so shocked because she's just such so close to our vicinity like i almost met her at a, her, at his family party one time let's and all meet ruby <laughs> but, like, at the same time i hope to meet ruby bar on my own terms where i i'm at a point where i meet her off of like my art and like the work I've been doing in the community like that's how I want to meet her and I feel like I wasn't meant to meet her then because I I don't know I just want to meet her at the time where like I've worked at it and then I'm finally at a place where she could acknowledge me instead of you know just meeting her at a family party (laughs) yeah that's so you're absolutely right about like meeting her because you worked for it and not through someone else and stuff like that yeah that's really like oh my god I was I was yeah I just kept listening to that song and it was like it's like a power anthem I just felt like a badass for the entire day it was really nice I just like that whole album is like fucking incredible and I hope she knows like how many young Filipino lives she's influenced because like yes I remember watching the music video for us and I just remember crying like I was literally crying like the crying baby that I was (laughs) I hope one day we get to a point where like we're able to be that for other people Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm pretty sure we are I'm pretty sure you guys have like a lot of people who are like oh my goodness like I'm so proud to be this I'm so proud to be that because like just looking at Ruby she's such a like she she shakes the table she really does mm-hmm. and she's just made so many strides and within our community and just like on a national level like like her messages are always the same and she stays so true to like her and her mission and I just like I hope that like I have that impact on other people mm-hmm. Wedi, you say like you want to be like what Ruby Ibarra is for you, like to other people. And like mm-hmm. you already are because like I look up to you as like Aww. a queer Filipina creator, like, really? and, like an artist. <laughs> Thank so like you. when I was first going through your account, I was like, oh my God, like this is so cool. And like all of your art was so amazing. And like I went and look through Girl Collective as well and I was like oh my god this is something that like like I want to be like that so yeah thank you so much that means stop I'm I'm tearing up big agree right (laughs) hands up if you love Wednesday (laughs) the hands are raised um follow her on Instagram at Wednesday baby blue um she also has an Etsy Wednesday blue (laughs) Um, buy her, buy her stuff, and also Marcel. Her coming out with masks soon. Yes, yeah. you guys buy her masks. Super mask cute. Oh my god, they're so cute. Also, the earrings, and cute prints, cute prints. Earrings, dude. I make everything at home. I refuse to work with big companies. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I make everything here. 
queen. Yeah. Oh my god, she's so the power. The power. <laughs> I have one of my Stella's prints on my wall, and I also have Wednesday's print on my wall, and I also have Wednesday's stickers on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so support your artist friends. Um. One last thing I want to mention is in Wednesday's art, she pretty much only features brown girls, and I think that's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) I am obsessed with that one where it's, like, the two girlfriends. You know what I'm talking about? Or the one where they're in the room? Um, I think it's the sticker. The one with the the strawberry bag, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um content love to see it very much appreciate <laughs> it. i was like so so pleased to see that because it's yeah. just like you don't see that a lot mm-hmm. and like i don't know At wednesday least. i feel like your your art really like touches a lot of people whether it be like brown girls or queer people or like just people who don't really often see themselves in art as much as they should which, like, I remember showing my mom your stuff, and she's like, oh, my God, it's so cute. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I also remember when you made um, that drawing of me, and you were like, I don't know how to draw light skin. And I was like, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, good, as you said. <laughs> Which, yeah, good, as you shouldn't. <laughs> Keep it that You know way. what, though? When your mom sent that, she was like, don't look at me, though. And I was like, why, auntie? And she's like... <laughs> I was like, Auntie, why are you being so mean to yourself? <laughs> right? Mom, oh I think my mom is so much. Much. She doesn't see that. <clears throat> I do. No, your mom is so beautiful. Like, I don't know. And like, really just like meeting her and like her being so excited just on the basis that I was a short Filipina girl <laughs> like her too. <laughs> I will say, um, when all of you eventually come over, my mom just tends to like my Filipino friends better. And (laughs) of course, dude, like Becca's house always smells so nice because her mom is always like cooking. Oh my gosh. And And then then she's like, Coda, get out of the kitchen. (laughs) My dog is so annoying. Um, oh my god and that one day Marcella brought ginatan yeah ginatan oh that's like my favorite comfort food like we would always make it when it gets like oh all rainy and stuff in the winter dude she ate the whole thing without me <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad <laughs> I'm glad you guys liked it I'm glad you you your mom and your sister liked it <laughs> All right, I know that he has to go. So, like, like, is there any last words that we'd like to say? Um, or can we read the Snapchat white guy thing? Yes. It's our last <laughs> yes. sentence. Yes. Um, yeah, go wait, ahead. I'm going to find it. i got to find it. you got to send it. <clears throat> Your Filipinoness slash Filipinality and shortness makes you more adorable, Heike. Thank you. <laughs> thank you white man <laughs> legend among filipino reality <laughs> um all right little send-off i just want to say thank you guys so much for being on here it's been an honor and i really really love hearing you guys talk about your experiences as 
like queer Filipinos because I'm also a queer Filipino. So we all get to connect on that level. And I think that's like really beautiful, you know? Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh my god, I had so much fun. Me too. Maybe we need a a a sequel. Yeah, we will. We definitely will. We still have so much Filipino identity is just unpacking and unpacking and unpacking (laughs) and then crying and then grieving and then unpacking and then unpacking and then (laughs) and then reading a meme about Filipino ness and Filipino. To ease the- Part two will be a four-hour episode where we just keep unpacking everything, unpacking. like everything. Because <laughs> there's God knows there's so much, but yeah. Um. Um. Follow at Wednesday Baby Blue, and buy shit off her Etsy Wednesday Blue, and then Marcella, what's your Etsy? My Etsy is Oat Milks O E T Milks. Oat, yeah. Oh, what's milks? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, support queer Filipino artists. Is there social media that people can follow for Sapphic Racket? There is. Um, yeah, it's just Sapphic Racket on Twitter and Sapphic Racket on Instagram. I haven't posted um much on Instagram because we only have two episodes. But after this one, I'll probably start uploading clips and stuff. But yeah, okay. support queer Filipino um, artists. I had fun. I had fun talking to you too. Thank you so much for being here. I love you all so much. Thank you guys. I love you. I have to go personally too. Yeah. I had fun. Thank you guys. I love you all so much. Love you.